Welcome to Notes from the Field, brought to you by Noeo Science. All right. Well, Gordon, it's good to be here with you. It is good to be here, as always. Days are getting shorter. It is. Rainy. Yeah. A little bit of wintry mix out there, as they yeah, say. Yeah, some little bit of slushy snow. Yeah. Well, and we're kind of, uh, you know, every 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 creature has its own way of coping with change, so whether it's seasonal change, whether it's attack from, mm-hmm. from an outsider or an insider. And today we're talking specifically about what we're calling, I guess we're calling them defense, defense. mechanisms. Yeah. So do we, do we need to define that? Yeah. Well, basically, you know, we, we all know what defense is, you know, you know, You're whether it's attack. in a bo- boxing ring. And you put your guard up so you don't get knocked out. So anything in, uh, I suppose we can open up to plants. I'm, I'm thinking mostly animals, but anything that animals have, I, wanna, I like alliteration. So we can call this designed for defense. Ooh, yeah, Plus we're giving God uh, credit. You know, yeah. when you just say defense, usually in secular textbooks, they'll say defense mechanisms because, you know, uh, we don't want to in, imply any kind of. Well, they would say adaptation. adaptation? They, they would say the defense mechanisms have- Yeah, but have, it evolved and it was right. random chance, right. uh, evolution, random variation uh, sifted by natural selection. Right. Here we're going to say, I mean, yes, there's adaptation because God made things flexible. Right. Um, whether it's a little bit of selection or a little bit of uh, phenotypic plasticity, it's always in the genome. So ultimately right. uh, it was designed- um, and when we think of design for defense, we're, we, we have to, it sort of, uh, implies that, um, there you need defending, which implies that, uh, we, we live in a fallen world or, yeah. and the creatures that are out there live in a fallen world. Uh, again, we can speculate, but, uh, about what these creatures looked like prior to the need to defend oneself. Yeah. And I suppose there, there, there could have been need to defend just inadvertent, you know, uh, a, a snail shell, um, something's walking through, uh, and it, it protects, it protects their body, um, from some larger creature just inadvertently stepping on it. Right. So, or the element, or the elements too, I guess, right? Yeah, like the snail's yeah, so, going to need to yeah, not defense dry against out. The, yeah, defense against the elements. And so I'm sure some of these defense mechanisms could be um, appropriate even in an unfallen world. Yeah. And even if it's not needed, um, they're cool looking. They're cool looking. You know, I yeah. suppose you can have a suit of armor even if you're not taking sword hits. Yeah, the abalone's shell is amazing. Yeah. 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 So, anyway. Uh, we can just, uh, some of my favorite, I'm going to probably be emphasizing herps. Okay. Which are reptiles and amphibians, but yeah. I'll, 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 uh, branch out a little bit. That sounds good. But I'll let you go ahead and, yeah. and start on one, some of one, your favorites. One of the creatures that's fascinated me, uh, for, for, uh, for quite some time, I guess, is, uh, is a creature called the hagfish. Oh man. Uh, the hagfish is this, uh, it's <sighs> this bizarre uh, creature that is, um, it's not your typical bony fish. It's, it's what we call an agnathan. Right. It's got this kind of circular ring of horny teeth for a mouth that, 
it lacks a lot of the other features like paired fins and, and other features that true true bony fish have. And it's it's really kind of a you know a, a nasty, creepy ish oh, yeah. kind of creature that inhabits the depths. Right. They're often seen inhabiting this really neat, one of my favorite uh, topics of late is this idea of a temporal ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a whale fall being yeah. an example of a temporal ecosystem, a whale dies eventually the remains that, uh, that haven't been scavenged off the top of the water. If the whale floated for a while, uh, eventually sink, uh, those heavy bones and, and it creates kind of a feeding frenzy for, right. for some period of time. And one of the creatures in addition to many others that yes. show up, uh, is the, is the hagfish yeah. and they excel at at fitting themselves into the tiniest nooks and crannies. They have really loose skin. Uh, one study I read said that you could fill, you could fill uh, the, the cavity or the fill the body of a hagfish with 40% more volume, and it would have room to accommodate that because wow. its skin is so loose. Is it loose or stretchy? Uh, according to this, well, it was yeah, loose, loose as in it's not attached to the rest oh, of the body in many, at many points. Right, right. Yeah. And so, um, which enables the hagfish to escape uh, after being bitten once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to yeah. get into some of its other defenses here in a second, but it's a really strange creature. Maybe, I don't know, maybe 18 inches yeah. uh, in length or so. Um, and eat, eat, considered a delicacy in some Southeast Asian countries, uh, a story caught my attention a couple of years ago and, and the photograph is just fantastic. I, I happened to get a, a, uh, kind of a, uh, a reading app like Kindle it's, it's scribed and they give you a free, they give you some free subscriptions and the, they give you a free subscription to the Atlantic. The Atlantic has a lot of interesting stories. Mm-hmm. And one was about a hagfish, an, uh, um, a hagfish article and on the front of the the magazine article was a photograph of this car accident that occurred in Oregon about four or five years ago. And the 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 person driving was delivering hagfish to be shipped to Asia. Oh wow. And the hagfish exploded out of the vehicle. Oh wow. And formed this remarkable, just shocking, slimy, gooey, disastrous mess that shut the highway down. Oh wow. Uh, for quite I mean, some time. Had an accident. He re- He got rear-ended. Oh, he got he had rear-ended. a trunk full of hagfish. Oh man. <laughs> it's it's a great article. Uh I don't it's it's January, actually it's from 2019. Uh Atlantic. Wow. Yeah. And so um they they have quite the they have quite the defense mechanism. Yes. So they we've talked about how their body's designed a little, but they have this remarkable superpower that's even more phenomenal and and disgusting and amazing. And that's this ability to secrete slime. Oh, and that slime is something. And the slime is they have they, their their sides are lined with these slime glands. And when when disrupted, uh, or when uh, when some external stimuli like brushing up against something uh, uh, occurs, this slime is ejected, and it has this remarkable ability to expand exponentially with, with water. Yeah, with seawater, and so a little tiny teaspoon comes out, um, and that I can't remember the exact proportion by which this yeah. stuff expands, but it's, it's considered amazing. one of the most expansive materials. Yes. But at the same time, also one of the softest materials. And slippery. Yeah. Super slippery. So it's soft, expansive, and slippery, more softer than jello. Mm-hmm. And so it has this remarkable effect of of being able to basically stop any predator yeah. from taking a bite number two. Right. So if they survive bite number one because of their loose skin, which they right. might survive, bite number two tends to end up, and, and this was video documented about eight years ago 
off the coast of New Zealand, some researchers put up web uh, video cams on the seafloor, and they baited. They baited. Uh, they put some bait stations nearby, and they were trying to lure in. Um, they were trying to lure in hagfish, and so they were luring in hagfish, and then predators would come. And they had some great video footage, uh, and the the predator success ratio. Uh, for a predator staying around and eating a hagfish, uh, according to this study, was it was like ten percent or less. Wow! The hagfish uh, ex- extrudes this slime and it gets into the gills in the mouth and of just, these predator bony fish. Yeah, and it and just kind of suffocates them, or mm-hmm. they just uh, spit it out. They well, or are they able? Are, are they able to clear themselves of the slime? Not that I'm aware of. So the the predators weren't tracked to see right. what where they ended up, what their fate was, but. Uh, this stuff is very difficult to get yeah. out of. And the hagfish have an ingenious built-in design mechanism where the slime isn't truly sticky. It's it's soft and it, it spreads. Up, it gums up the works. And so but they actually not. tie themselves in a knot and slide the knot down their body right. and escape from their own slime. Right. And so this slime is, uh, it's remarkable stuff. It's made of the same kind of stuff that- is that a mucopolysaccharide of some sort? Or it's, is it, it's made of microtubules. Uh, it's, re, re, wow. it's repurposed elements from the cytoskeleton. Wow. Into this wild protein coil. Wow. Uh, there's, a, there's a gentleman in Australia who's, his last name is Fudge. He's the world's expert on, on the slime of the hagfish. Yeah. Wow. And he's testing a couple of different theories right now regarding uh, how this- how the nucleus works with this but it's not coiled. To- it's not toxic. It's it not just toxic. Gu- just gums just a up mechanical, the work. mechanical yeah. goo. Yeah. That stops the predator in their tracks. Yeah. Whew. I remember seeing. You might check this out if you YouTube uh, a hagfish slime. There's this uh, researcher that sort of takes this hagfish and uh, takes a couple electrodes, sort of zaps it to make it secrete a little bit of slime. And then he takes a little uh, metal lab type spatula and scrapes a little of the slime off. And I mean, it's a very small amount. I mean, maybe like uh, a quarter teaspoon less or less. And then, oh yeah, probably less. And he puts it in a beaker of water. And like you said, the water just absorbs. He stirs it into this beaker of water and that slime absorbs all this water. And then he took a hook and pulled the slime out. It was just one mass. And it, I mean, it was just a tiny bit of slime with about a cup of water. And that it just turned the whole water into slime that he could hook out and pull out of the beaker. Amazing. And there was no water in left. It was just all, <laughs> it's... Hi, it just, the water <laughs> hydrated the slime. Yeah. And just, uh, it's just amazing. That is incredible. Stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, it says here that um, it looks like um, a 40, 40 milligrams of mucus and protein. Um, let's see. A thou- uh, I had the figure here and I lost it of how much, how much per. Anyway, it's saying that it's about a thousand times less dry material than human saliva. And so right. this stuff is incredibly, expand by up to, t- there it is, expands by up to 10,000 times. Wow. Goodness. Yes, goodness. Wow. And the, you know, when the hagfish will bite a chunk out of the whale, whatever it's feeding on as it's scavenging, um, like you said, the knot, they'll also grab a hold with the plates in their mouth and then tie themselves in a knot, slide the knot forward and use that knot to brace themselves against the carcass. 
so they get yank their oh the, a piece wow. away. Kind of like if you were grabbing something with your mouth, like a not that we have this kind of table manners, but grabbing a piece of meat, but with your mouth, and you you if you pulled, you you couldn't pull it off, so you need your hands to push against. But they don't have hands, so they just slide the knot forward and bra- use the knot to brace against the carcass and then rip a, a hank of flesh off. That's incredible. So multi-useful yeah. pretzel. So, um, you know, there when I when I go teach when I teach herpetology, there's just so many aspects of defense, and um, uh, some of my favorites um, are uh, armor. And I mean, this is pretty simple, but armor and autotomy. I think I've talked about box turtle shells uh, closing up, but turtle shells have this amazing armor. Yeah. And particularly terrestrial turtles like the box turtle. Um, they, their carapace it forms a nice high dome. Um, and then their plastron has that hinge that folds up. And basically it's a watertight seal. So if a predator like a raccoon is trying to get at them, they cannot get any part of the flesh. Wow. And it's just a wonderful defense mechanism, um, the shell. Um, I mean, even some turtles have managed uh, to survive. This doesn't happen often, but getting a car rolled over them. And sometimes the car will crack. So usually it just smashes the turtle and kills yeah. it because it's so much weight. Right. But uh, sometimes it gets cracked um, and they survive this automobile <laughs> wow accident. Uh, and then their shell, which is, not, is a living material, will, if it's not too bad, they'll heal up. And one time I found a box turtle where I saw this sort of zigzag crack all the way down the back. And it's healed because the, the, the shell is bone plus a little epidermal hard epidermis on top of it, it healed. And when it healed, uh, a new plate was, um, was formed. So you can actually count the growth rings on those plates, like mm. a tree uh, on box turtles to a certain uh, age, usually 20 is about max. And uh, this turtle was roughly 20 years old, looking at the normal scutes. Mm-hmm. But when it had its accident, a new scute started to form. And when I looked at that weird aberrant scute, I counted the rings and it was 12, but the rest of the turtle was 20. So, so I could tell when, when it the was accident, eight. it was when it was eight years Lad old. Lad of eight years old. Uh, it that got is hit. really cool. But anyway. So, can, so can, uh, can a raccoon, if he works hard enough, get in there? If they're persistent, but uh, or if it's a it's a fat turtle and's got some soft tissue sticking out of the seams, but usually they close up so tight um, that if the turtle doesn't just keep on gnawing at the edge and finally get to soft tissue, they usually give up. And um, sometimes these box turtles have battle scars, but they uh, after the raccoon or whatever predator walks away, it then comes out and moseys on. Uh, another great defense, uh, that's a lizard, a lot of lizards and even some, uh, uh, well, one called a glass lizard, which looks like a snake, um, is they call it a glass cause it shatters. 
Um, it's called autotomy, and autotomy means self-cut. So um, you'll see this particularly in skinks. Skinks, um, especially the ones in the United States, you'll see a lot of skinks, regardless of the species, uh, have a blue tail, bright blue tail. A lot of people call them blue-tailed skinks, but actually it's just the young of multiple, multiple species. Multiple species, yeah. Yeah. And um, it's flashy and, and attractive. So often when a predator grabs for the lizard, winds up with the tail, and it just snaps off. Um, what's amazing about it is, you know, a lot of people have seen it, um, even when they're catching a lizard and they grab the tail and it just pops off. There's I have, this I have amazing- this to happen. Yeah, I have yes, too, unfortunately. And uh, there's this amazing self-cutting. It actually happens right mid-vertebra. It's not between vertebra. And all these muscles contract, and it's like this abscission zone that just click, uh, pops uh, off. And then there's these vaso, uh, just so a is, lot of vasoconstriction where the blood vessels constrict, so there's hardly any bleeding. And uh, the muscles tr contract in such a way that it's, uh, it separates there in a nice, neat. Um, Is it always in the same vertebra? No, no. Or can it, it, I mean, can, it, it depends it on can where they're vary. pulling. Yeah, it, can, it depends on wow. where it breaks. So there's multiple fracture zones. Wow. Yeah. And then af after it, it wiggles after it uh, fractures off. So yeah. there's this wiggle time so that the predator is very occupied with this squirming. It's beautiful blue tail wiggling, wiggling tail. and then the 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 rest of the animal uh scurries away yeah and uh then it heals over and then they begin to form a new tail so we kind of look at that and we can describe it oh the tail breaks off autotomy self-cutting yep. yep uh but when you get down into the physiology of that it's just an oh an, absolutely amazing incredible um vasoconstriction to uh reduce blood loss and uh, healing. Well, and to see that in a vertebrate is really, is yeah. really remarkable. We've talked about autonomy a little bit in, um, in some invertebrates, mm -hmm. um, a paramecia and uh, some sea slugs that have some amazing yeah. abilities. But seeing it in a vertebrate, that's, that's yeah. remarkable. And, yeah. and so do they grow that back? Yeah, they grow the tail back. Okay. And usually the, the, the tail doesn't have vertebrae in it, the, the new tail. It's just sort of a, um, sort of a cartilaginous rod. and. Mm. Um, you know, it looks like a tail, but it's usually a little smaller. Um, but yeah, real, real neat defense mechanism. Often these tails taste bad too. Oh, huh. Uh, so maybe some chemical so, yeah, defense um, going some, on there. Yeah, chemical, chemical defense. They might not strike and again. It, yeah. So, if they learn. Yeah, so I, 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 one of the creatures that's, um, I've, I've, I've gotten to dissect one of them in my life. I want to eat one. I haven't eaten one yet. I've seen some amazing looking dishes with this creature. And it's a, it's a sea cucumber. Oh yeah. A uh, sea cucumber, which is an echinoderm, uh, part of the same phylum with sea stars and right. sea urchins and sand dollars. These, this, uh, five part symmetry, these creatures have this beautiful r radial pentameric symmetry. Uh, the, and the sea cucumber doesn't really look like the rest of them. The, no, the, the symmetry is kind of hidden inside. Yeah. Um, and they, but they do have these, these tube feet and they have, uh, this remarkable ability. It's one of the most numerous invertebrates in, in the marine environment. Sea cucumbers are really kind of ubiquitous, lots of species. Um, and many of the species have this ability when they're under attack. It's just, it's really, it's a, it's shockingly yeah. dramatic. Uh, they actually eject a, a significant portion 
of their of their digestive system, maybe even more, depending on the species. Right. And and some of them will eject that their insides in their their intestines out their out their oral end, and some uh, some of them will eject them out their aboral end or or anal end. Right. Um. And so and this serves the purpose mostly of distraction. There is some stickiness associated yeah. with these with these insides, um, but it distracts it distracts the predator. The predator might even try to eat or these. startles this. I mean, when they they call it evisceration, evisceration, right? They, which blows. Yeah, they're blowing blow. out their insides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their insides are now they're on their outsides. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and they can go, regenerate And them. they regenerate. That's a, what's amazing. I, I sometimes tell my students, this is uh, incredible engineering because what kind of anti-theft device, let's say a car, <laughs> will pop its foot. Let's say someone's trying to steal a car and and it, it senses that the 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 uh, the car thief is in the front, so it pops its hood automatically and blows its engine out. <laughs> and, and that's a and, great analogy. And the, the engine, you know, collides with the the thief the assailant, and, assailant, and uh, scares it away or injures it and fl- flees. And then the car then manufactures a new engine. I mean, we would think that any kind of engineering where the car can uh, say shovel in. Uh, metal parts and iron ores, and recast all of the recast all the parts and build a new engine. Yeah, that would be engineering beyond our wildest dreams, right? Um, and yet the sea cucumber does it. The sea cucumber does it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And lives to tell the tale. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. What do you got? What else you got? Yeah. Well, um, another cool one is. Uh, just to startle uh, a predator. This is uh, happens in a number of, um, well, in insects. Um, there are certain big uh, uh, giant silkworm moths that have these big eye spots mm. on their back wings. And they're often in at rest, and they have their front wings covering over these eye spots. And so when a predator... Uh, is going after them, they'll move their front wings and then expose these big, big eye spots that almost look like an owl, mm. the eyes of an owl. And it can startle a predator um, and just dis, uh, distract it or uh, and just purchase enough time to get away. Yeah. Or, or the predator flees. Um, a number of, uh, uh, there's actually a toad that has eye spots on its rump. And uh, does a similar thing. It arches its back and sort of moons the <laughs> taunts moons, and yeah, taunts and, and moons and the it, <laughs> these eye spots sort of <laughs> stick out. Hopefully, the predators in the back end. Um, uh, another uh, uh, amphibian um, that will startle will be the um, uh, uh, the salamanders that do this unkin reflex yeah which they do sort of a the same with the frog they do this weird back bend and uh particularly the california newts the rough skin newts um that have a very dark brown or olive drab dorsum or back color but then their belly is either red or bright orange to yellow and when they do the unkin reflex uh it exposes, they'll sometimes coil up their tail and bend it upwards. They'll, 
and some of their their chin they'll they'll jerk their chin back and so it exposes this bright color on the underside uh and startles it and lets the predator know don't mess with me and if they do mess um because they think well this isn't very threatening and eat it they'll they'll die just because the other defense is this very very toxic secretion yeah called tetradoxin um and you know just a little bit uh will will kill a uh predator uh there's what there's one snake uh the gar- certain garter snakes can eat these newts mm. and um they've somehow developed a an immunity to the toxin they sort of um th- they're sort of under the influence <laughs> They're intoxicated for hmm. a bit, hmm. but they they can actually ingest this newt that would kill a person. Yeah, if the uh, newt crawled into a coffee pot. So that's incredible. You've got this uh, unkin reflex, which is this showing the showing off the belly color and uh, the toxic secretion. That's There's a, one another. If you decide to it, eat me, I'm going to take you down yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's and amazing. even they get eaten. Sometimes uh, there's one video I saw where was actually narrated in some other language like German or something where uh, this bullfrog eats this rough-skinned newt. I mean, ingests it, and then uh, the bullfrog oh, crawls up and dies on the bank uh, just a few seconds after it ate it, and then you see the newt crawl out of it. Yeah, mouth. I've seen that like, one. That's so even fabulous. if you eat me, I might I'm... not be done. <laughs> uh, you know, predators predators strike out a lot. I mean, just thinking about regular predation and prey, if you're thinking about big game animals and and all Mm -hmm. the creatures after them, most predators strike out, you know, a good portion, a majority of the time. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, prey species have a lot of, a lot of tricks up their sleeves and the good Lord has given, uh, them, I guess the last one I would, uh, just mention, um, yeah. Uh, here a little bit, and this gets into the realm of plants a little bit. Um, and maybe we can talk about this another time. Uh, when we maybe get a little bit more into uh, the, the kind of the sub theories that go along with evolution and kind of uh, test each one of them and, and look at them in particular. But uh, this one is uh, the the pine uh, pine or bark beetle and then the conifers that they attack. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. this is kind of a well-chronicled, it's almost become an icon of of evolution as much as the Galapagos finch has the, the narrative goes, the popular narrative goes that it's a, it's this evolutionary arms race between the pine beetle and the conifer. Right. And each of them is, is upping the ante as time goes on, developing new, amazing chemical defenses primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the, uh, the, this is a, this might be more in favor of the beetle than the, uh, than the pine, but it also goes into our ability to take advantage of some of these chemicals, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to, to take dominion better. Uh, and, uh, these, uh, these pine beetles will smell a wounded tree. Mm-hmm. They'll smell the chemicals from a wounded tree. They'll aggregate and they'll send off their own pheromones. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's calling to all the other pine beetles in the vicinity. And it might be another conifer. It might, might not be a pine, but they're the most yeah. commonly discussed. Uh, and so they send out this aggregation pheromone and all the other pine beetles arrive on site. Yeah. And once there's a critical mass of beetles, they, they actually send out a, a non-aggregation pheromone to say, call off, call oh, off the rest of the troops. Enough. We've got enough here. We can handle it. Uh, and then the, then the pine or the conifer has a lot of chemicals built into its structure. And ad- in addition uh, to these, what they call constitutive defenses, it's bark and, mm-hmm. uh, and other phenols and, and terpenes and other chemicals that, 
that can deter and or kill pests. Resins. Um, and resins. And there's just this remarkable back and forth right. uh, between that group of creatures in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be, uh, yeah, be a that'd fun be, one to investigate yeah. further. Yeah, a friend of mine has been doing a lot of bark beetle research down in California. Oh, wow. Uh, Joe Francis uh, down at the Masters University. Okay. And uh, I don't know if he's still working on that bark beetle project, but it's really interesting. So if we do talk about it. Yeah, that'd be a fun uh, I'll fun look guest. at some of his uh, his stuff. Excellent. Yeah. All so right. Well, there's, battle, I mean, we've just barely scrapped, uh, scraped the surface. Maybe um, last question. Yeah. Is there one creature that you think of when I think of uh, when I can think of defense mechanisms, I have one creature that pops into my head always, just as as being on guard or ready to defend itself. Is there one creature that pops into your head right away when you hear that term? Or... <sighs> well, the cobra. I okay, mean, that's <laughs> the rattlesnake. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I gravitate towards the reptiles. I had a feeling. Yeah, the uh, rattle is a very good um, sort of warning signal, uh, startle, like don't mess with me. Yes. That's a defense defense mechanism. Sometimes it's good for them not to rattle because it just draws attention to them, uh, especially on predators like people. Oh, I'm going to kill this rattlesnake. So it sometimes behooves them to not rattle and just stay camouflaged. Um, And then the the cobra will will rear up and hood up, basically just uh, showing... Uh, this, this visual display that don't, don't mess with me. Look at my big hood. It's terrifying. Yeah. Goodness. Especially if you've got a 18 foot king cobra. Oh my gracious. I mean, when it rears up. I would just. You have a venomous snake Ugh. that's got a head the size of a jogging shoe. And now he's staring and, you in and the and eyeballs. He's, he's staring you at, you know, five, six feet. <laughs> And it's not, and it's reared up. I mean, I would bring a herd huge. of mongoose with me. Yeah, that's the only way I would do that. Exactly. Um, the one creature I think of, I think of the little fiddler crab, because he's got that one celliped out front yeah. that's super stout, and he just looks like he's ready yeah. for a fight with his yeah. shield. His big boxing glove. Yeah, looking. his big boxing gloves. Yeah, fun stuff. All right, Gordon. Good, good chatting with you. Good ta- talking to you, Will. See you next time. See ya. Thank you for listening. And remember, for all your homeschool science needs, go to noeoscience.com. That's N-O-E-O science.com.